Okay, guys, welcome. I'm back. So I was sick, guys, and I'm better now. I went to a fet. I drank a lot of alcohol. I was hugging everybody. <laughs> and uh, as in, I just forgot that there is a paranormal happening. And um yeah I I I don't know if that's what it is. I I I don't remember anyone coughing, but I was always wearing my mask. I never took my mask off, so actually I'm lying. I was drinking. So maybe when I was drinking I was not wearing my mask, but yeah guys, I got sick for a week. I got pneumonia. Which was a hot ass mess. At first I thought I was hungover and then it was just it was a whole thing, but we thank God the devil tried it. But, you know, Jesus won. He died on the cross, so I'm good. <laughs> okay. I'm okay. Thank you for all the well wishes. So many DMs, like, bitch, are you good? <laughs> and and why do you keep getting pneumonia, ho? Like, what, what's going on? But, guys, I'm I'm okay. I'm good. It's out of my lungs. Amoxicillin, shout out to you. Yeah. Today, we're talking about therapy again. And, uh... Kavarunji's back. I'm so excited. Hello. Thanks for having me again. Today we're talking, we're just going to bust some myths and then we're going to answer questions and then we're going to bust some more myths. You know, it's it's just going to be a chill episode. We're, we're not going to stress ourselves. I love it. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing very, very well. I just went through a bit of stress right mm-hmm. now because so right now I'm on vacation somewhat. Like I'm, I'm home mm-hmm. and I'm still seeing clients, but not as many clients. So anyways, mm-hmm. I thought, let me try. I don't know if you guys have Instacart out there. Oh, yes. So I was like, let me just try this. Just see what it's like. Like there's, you know, if I have time off, why not just make a little bit of money on the side? Mm-hmm. That stuff, it, that's so stressful. It is. I, I don't know, know how, you do. how many hours it took. I'm not even making $10 an hour. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm determined to try to do it again. So, so right now I'm, I'm good, but I'm coming off of that, that immediate stress. <laughs> Girl, I can't, I don't know how, first of all, I try to have grace for Instacart people. Yeah. Because I, I love grocery shopping, but when I'm grocery shopping, of course, I'm not under stress. And I heard that they make you shop for like three people at the same time. That's what I was just doing. Yeah. <laughs> and so sometimes we get like seven pints of milk and I'm like, wow, I'm exactly. lost. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I didn't order this. Um, <laughs> so, you know, they don't charge me for it. So I, I usually just like, I'll throw it out or give, I'll give it away. Just because I'm like, it's hard, you know? So shout out to you for, for doing that. Cause I can't. I'm determined to master it. I'm going to try again tomorrow and beat my time. But today was, was really stressful. But yes, it definitely got me rethinking everything. Mm-hmm. Like how, how are people surviving with just this job? I guess they're just really skilled at it. Cause that was just a lot of stress for, for not a lot of payoff. Do you think, I don't think anybody does just Instacart. I think. <laughs> okay. 
God damn, I don't think so because I don't think it's up to eight dollars. Yeah, no, it's not. And it's me. Okay, let me tell you something. I'm not trying to offend anyone, but me, I don't like suffering. Mm-mm. <laughs> That's one thing about me. <laughs> suffering is the enemy. I really mm-hmm. believe suffering is from the devil himself. It is. So <laughs> when I go through any type of suffering, I'm like, no, no, no devil, not today. So like things like Instacart, they just look like strife. I can't. <laughs> I just and shout, you know what? But kudos to you for because I would just be like, I quit. Somebody else shop for these people. <laughs> I can't find it. Or I would just log off the app. <laughs> yeah. Or I would just message the people and be like, there's nothing here. First leave me. I'm tired. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I'm I'm happy for you. Let me know how it pans out. We were actually just talking about how you're going to be rich because you are <laughs> doing a PhD or you're in the you're about to do your PhD. Yes, yes. It's still called the PhD. It's technically called PsyD, like P-S-Y-D. Oh. Yeah, so the PhD is Doctor of Philosophy, and the PsyD is Doctor of Psychology. But, but it's pretty much the same. You said that I completely ignored you. I thought, I, I, I purposely ignored you because I'm like, I don't know what she's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's it's. No one has heard of it, especially in Canada. It's much more popular in the in the states. And what I'm where I'm going is a it's an American school that's out in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm like I I'm not gonna correct people for the rest of my life. Let's just say PhD. It's easier. But you're right. PhD does mean Doctor of Philosophy. Philosophy. So that's research, research, heavy research. Side you get to do research for sure, but you're you're also Apart from your own research, you're focusing more on how to apply the research. Um, it's a, it's a professional school. So how to apply the research, clinical treatment, focusing a lot more on that, which I love more. I love the teaching and the practical side mm-hmm. of counseling and psychology more than the, more than the research. But yes, that's my question is, is, you know, with, with numbers now, I, I don't feel like I have a good sense of, where the classes are at, right? Um, so, what what's your idea of that? Okay, well, I I wanna I wanna just make it known that that I I like to live good. So, but this is how I see it. So, if you're if yeah. you're a single person, yeah, struggle life is about forty five thousand a year, forty forty five to fifty thousand a year. You're right. struggling. You're going to the grocery store and you are making sure that does not decline. <laughs> yeah. So then you we should have... also talk about where you're living and where I'm living. We're living in places oh, in the yeah. world provinces, right? Guys, I live in Toronto. Yeah. In Scarborough and uh Runji is in uh Vancouver. So just yes. for context. Yeah, that's a big difference. Yes. And I'm even outside Vancouver, but, but yeah, it's still, it's still expensive. Yeah. And then you have the 60,000. So 
So with 60,000, you're able to save comfortably. Like you're saving, but it's not paining you, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're just, mm-hmm. So that's also like, okay, whatever. But good money, I think, is, let's see, a- around 85000 to 90000 a year. Okay. That's when you're like, all right. That's when you're you're literally going to no frills and you're not buying just no name. You're, <laughs> and you're buying like you're buying Charmin, okay? Yes. You yes. are buying Heinz. The big ones. Yes. Mm-hmm. Heinz ketchup. Yep. <laughs> you're not yes. buying the one that just says tomato on the thing. <laughs> no, I ref- I ref- Use those ones. I will buy. I will always buy mine. I can taste the difference. Yeah. So so yeah, and then you know you're you're buying. You're just you're buying the names. Yes. Yes. Names. That's what you're doing. So that's that's <laughs> when you're at the eighty thousands. You're buying avocado comfortably. You know. <laughs> you guys, that it pains me to buy avocado. Mommy, it is the most painful part of grocery shopping. Yes, Mukama. It is. It hurts. <laughs> but that all goes to show that I'm still working on my way up in the financial ladder. <laughs> yes, yes. We are believing God that we will comfortably buy avocado someday. <laughs> Jeez. I like your your uh, measurement, your scale, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. I think that's a good scale. So I'm I'm excited. I'm excited for you. I'm excited for you to make a lot of money. <laughs> I love I love when black women make a lot of money because I feel that it we, we it kind of gets black women away from that narrative of black women and struggle and struggle to something and I love Mm -hmm. it I'm excited make sure you have a big graduation so I can come I will for sure but the this on the topic though of money is you know there is I was talking to my friend out here who's she's actually from Scarborough oh yes I have a good friend out here she's Sri Lankan Mm -hmm. born and raised in Scarborough but we were talking about this like the you know, because we know people who just graduated with us opened mm-hmm. up their own private practice mm-hmm. and they're taking home thousands a month, like thousands a month. Mm-hmm. And we're like, ah, there's something, you know, that is a bit uncomfortable because, you know, you, you meet with somebody, mm-hmm. they're opening up to you, they're crying, you know. And you're there with them. You're genuinely there with them. But that awkwardness of, okay, that's going to be $150, please. You know, like it's, yeah. that moment's uncomfortable. Like, and, and I truly think that, you know, they're, they're, instead of it being on the part of the therapist or the psychologist to lower their prices, you know, or the client to, to, you know, pay more, mm-hmm. I think that the, the government really needs to step in and it should be covered. Like it, it's, oh, yeah. it's uncomfortable. I think the amount that we're paid, but yeah. then how many people don't have access to it or knowing yeah. like how much of their paycheck is going towards it. It's, yeah. 
it's a hot topic. It is, and mm-hmm. we're going to cover that and and have a conversation about that for sure um, oh, later on. Yeah, but therapy therapy is one of those like under. I don't even know if it's underestimated because, or or like the right word to use, but when you look at OHIB, mm-hmm. and when you look at like, I I know that I I read something that like Canada will cover one or two chemotherapy treatments. Oh damn, that's it. Yeah, I yeah I think that's it. Like if you if you had cancer, I, I don't think they cover. It's something crazy like. Between one and three chemo treatments. Oh my I'm God. like, what if you need like five? Mm-hmm. I can only imagine how much chemo would be. Damn. You know, and then um, there's another thing that I that I found out when my mom was sick mm-hmm. uh, in the hospital that when you when the doctor says I am finished, yeah. They charge you daily. Yeah. Like to be staying there, like recovering in the hospital? Yes. So if the do- so they, so someone will come in the hospital and they'll be like, hi there, uh, this is how much the nursing homes cost, which is a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And they give you the cheapest ones. And then they'll say, it's, let's say they'll be like, it's like, I don't know, $45 a day or not a day, sorry. They'll say like it's something like five hundred biweekly or whatever, Ooh. depending on your insurance and stuff. If you even have insurance, right? So then they'll say they'll they'll bring a team together, doctors, occupational therapists, whatever. And they'll be like, so based on our assessment, we have done our best, and uh, this person is now taking up space. But here's the catch. Mm-hmm. You are not allowed to take that person home. Like mm-hmm. you, if once they say, "Okay, you know this person is," and I'm talking about people that are immobile. So, like my mom was yes. immobile, like from the waist down. Like she was not a functioning. She was gonna be like in a bed, right? Mm-hmm. So, with somebody like that, you're not allowed to just pick up and take her out of the hospital and take her home, right? And yet, for the time that she's in the hospital, you're being charged. Oh. About $75 a day, I believe it was. Wow. And so, wow. you're accumulating money while you're on a wait list for a nurse, for a hospice, which is not mm-hmm. your fault because, I mean, but at the same time, you are not allowed to take the person to your house. Oh my gosh. If you do decide to take the person to your house, mm-hmm. you have to arrange for your house to have things like a bed lift. Do you know those lifts that, those things that lift patients? Mm-hmm. Something mm-hmm. for them to be able to roll the bed upstairs. That all takes time. Oh, How you're really? going to find that, they will guide you through it. But in the time that it takes to do all that, you are still being charged in the hospital. No. And then it's like, so by the time you even have that conversation, you're just kind of like, I'm just going to stay put. And so by the time I think my mother was, it was three months before she passed away. 
which mm-hmm. we had still not even heard from any nursing homes. Wow. And so what ended up happening was I was charged $75 a day for 90 days. No. Yeah. And they charged you or they charged your mom? Well, they charged me because mm-hmm. I was the, you know, power of attorney. Mm-hmm. So, oh my gosh. so that's how, and then, so that is OHIP. That is physical health. <laughs> that's the yeah. state of, you know, that's the state of like when you have things physically wrong with mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so the state of like how mental health is treated is a million times worse. Yes. It's a million times worse because I don't even and think. And there's connection. There's overlap too with, with physical and mental. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's wild to me. Like I, I, um, especially one thing that I've really found interesting as I've been doing research about, um, mental health and, uh, the shelter system because I do work in, in a shelter. Mm-hmm. A lot of my clients, especially the younger ones, they talk about suicide, right? Yeah. But I think you know this rule that, you know, if a client is thinking about harming themselves or others and yada, 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 then you have to say something, right? Right. Mm-hmm. But I, I have a problem with that because... Is that really, what do you think of that policy? Like that if, if a client discloses that they're suicidal, Mm -hmm. that you as a worker have to be, you know, you have to let other workers know, you have to call the ambulance. Yeah. Like, what do you think of that policy? I think that it is, well, the way that we, use it or what we have to respect is actually less black and white than people may realize at, like or than maybe other professions have it so for us you know i've had so many clients talk about suicide mm-hmm. but i've only had to report and follow up and go to the hospital with a with a handful and so it's like we look at it as a scale of one to ten and mm-hmm. we assess how how high they are at the on the risk for for suicide, and so if they're if we say oh, okay they're at like a six or a five or a three you know then we don't have to report it, and mm-hmm. so somebody just simply saying like that they have suicidal thoughts or they don't want to be alive, it's not immediate. We need to call the police. We need to you know, mm-hmm. it's it's more like you know I I have these thoughts. This is how I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it today or I'm going to do it this weekend. That's when it's at that point. Then mm-hmm. that's when we have to, to step in. But not everybody knows that. So you also have so many clients or so many individuals out there who are struggling with suicidal thoughts mm-hmm. and too scared to say it because they think that as soon as they even talk about that, which is, which is unfortunately very common and normal, um, that they're going to be taken away. Right. Yeah. And so basically the reason why I, I diverted to this is because mm-hmm. I find that 
part there's there's a huge stigma around mental health, especially when it gets away from being the traditional mental health. Because I think I think society mm-hmm. has come around to accepting things like depression and anxiety. Not mm-hmm. fully, but I feel yeah. like you know, with with efforts as as much as I, I think it's sort of it's a uh, problematic campaign with with efforts like Bell Let's Talk, right? To uh, the Taraji P Henson, uh, who has been doing a lot of work around mental health advocacy, and a lot of celebrities coming out and talking about having depression and anxiety. I think that the conversation is being entertained more, and but I think that when we start to get into things like, okay, depression looks like suicidal thoughts. Yeah. Um, anxiety looks like, you know, I don't want to do anything. Like, I j- I'm just right. scared of everything that I shy away from everything. I think that's right. when you see how much stigma is in society. Yeah. It, oh, for sure, for sure. There's one of those quotes, I can't remember it exactly, but, you know, it kind of talks about how people will, like, can talk about the conversation of mm-hmm. depression or anxiety to some degree, but wanting distance. Like, they want to talk about it like, oh, people get depressed, or mental health is real, or this person mm-hmm. was and does have anxiety, but not, like, in your face, somebody, you know, you actually see the the... Like seeing someone living through it, people are uncomfortable with mm-hmm. that, right? Or with with suicide, like you know, you can talk about um, people who committed suicide um, after they died, right? Then it's it's like sad and celebrating the life and everything. Mm. But if it's right before when they're speaking out their suicidal thoughts, then it's, un- it's uncomfortable or improper or a burden. So yeah, there's definitely a lot of discomfort there. Why Why do you think that is? Why do you think as a people we are more comfortable? Because I remember, I don't know if you know of a DJ called Avicii. He was also a singer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who openly talked about uh, struggling yeah. with depression. Some of his music talked about just being in like a really dark place. Mm-hmm. Uh, referencing not want, like wanting to die. Mm-hmm. And I think no one ever, I don't remember conversations being had about like, hey, like, let's, let's stand with him as he gets through this and this, this. I don't remember that. But yeah. when he actually committed suicide, yeah, there was so much conversation about, this is why we have to take a mental <laughs> mental health that matters you know (laughs) and it's like why do you think that people are comfortable when people when why do you think we're we're so comfortable when death happens as a result of mental health as opposed to like you know prevention is better than cure or to support people Mm -hmm. through when they're still alive it's a good question. I think that there's a lot of different factors. Mm-hmm. One thing I would say is is death anxiety. And so that's something that's really big in the Western world where 
um, just socially, there's a lot of anxiety and discomfort around death, right? Even if you look at how we um, respond to people while they are dying, what we do with you know the the with people in the immediate aftermath mm-hmm. of their death, like keeping them very separate outside of the home, embalming, burying, all of that. Like there, this this part of the world, there's a lot of discomfort um, with death. So I think that it's a difficult conversation for people to have um i think that also people feel helpless i think that they're scared of that like it's just like don't talk about that no don't do that don't you we love you but don't it's uncomfortable for people to sit with somebody while they're even voicing their thoughts and their debates about living or dying Mm -hmm. i think it brings it brings in things of helplessness for people i yeah, there, I would say there's a lot of factors, but those are just um, the two that come to my mind immediately. What do you think? I don't know. I, I feel like for me, I, I have a sort of negative <laughs> uh, perspective. I think that honestly, death is something that people don't admit. Mm-hmm. I think it's an event that sort of, I think, subconsciously we want to celebrate Mm -hmm. like somehow it feels better or it feels i don't know it's like it's a it's an easier pill to swallow when when we are at a funeral and saying you know this person we could have you know mental health matters those conversations are easier right when the person has gone yeah we are more um, inclined to talk about mental health of, of a person when they're not there. Mm-hmm. But when we have to have conversations around, okay, uh, let tell me about where those suicidal thoughts come from. Why do you believe that you are not worthy? Let's have that conversation. I don't know if it's because we then, we think we will be forced to look within ourselves Mm-hmm. And figure out if we also really believe we're worthy. Or mm. we're just, I don't know what it is, but I know that like it is easier in anything. Like even when people die of an illness, mm-hmm. for example, we, we have an easier time conversating or com- conversing Mm-hmm. about that illness when the person has died depending on what the illness is is but then when they're actually here we don't want to have that conversation because right. maybe it it will give insight into who we are and mm-hmm. and what our perceptions and how we perceive the world does and maybe that's a huge insecurity for a lot of us right yeah yeah, I definitely see how that could be part of it. And and as you say that, I do see that connection with what I was saying. It's just that powerlessness. People don't like to feel powerless or vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't like to go into, un, you know, unknown conversations where they actually yes. don't have the answer. Yeah, right? exactly. And that's what happens with, with those. I think that's part of the reason why some people don't even want to go to therapy for themselves. Mm-hmm. To talk about, you know, those, their, their own, you know, beliefs of, of self-worth and mm-hmm. 
because you will be forced when 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 I'm having a conversation with you, especially the, those deep conversations. Yeah, I'm going to be forced to reach a certain part of my soul in order to reach out to you. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's not like a. Do you like this biscuit? Yes, I like this biscuit. Yeah. It's yeah. a more deeper conversation that requires self-reflection. And so that's yeah. uncomfortable for a lot of people. Exactly. And on both ends, right? And that's why it's so important for therapists, whether they're students in training or, mm-hmm. you know, are already qualified and graduated to do their own therapy. Because, you know, you you need to be able to go to those places in your within yourself mm-hmm. to be able to walk alongside others or to even guide them, right? People... Um, who haven't gone there and come to you for therapy, how can you guide them to somewhere deep and vulnerable if you yourself haven't gone there? Like, I've had so many clients who are talking about their stuff, and I'm, like, thinking, like, oh, my gosh, I think the exact same way, mm-hmm. right? Or I feel this way, or, oh, I've, I've been there. And, you know, it's the work that I try to keep up with on my own that really helps me to to genuinely meet people where they're at, right? Mm-hmm. To go to that same depth. Amazing. Yeah. Um, we're gonna do some myth busters. Um, Ooh, let's do the, it. The biggest one, uh, I, I think, plaguing the black community mm-hmm. is that therapy is white. Mm. Gosh, <laughs> therapy is for white people. Okay. Now, do we? We, I mean, we don't. We can't blame the blacks or the the uh, other people of color for thinking like this. I mean, therapy and the way that it is set up yeah. is for white people. Okay. When you look at the, at least for me, when I look at the techniques, and I think I've been really fortunate. I have a therapist who incorporates sort of my race into therapy and is mindful of that. But when I when you read about things like CBT and DBT, they're very much not really like they're not marketed to a black audience, I should say. Right. Because when you when you think of black people, we have a lot of us have some sort of religion. Mm-hmm. that guides the way that we live. If it's not religion, then we have our cultures, our customs, our traditions, right. even just the way that we are as people. And I haven't mm-hmm. even started to have a conversation about the, the trauma that is generational and has has forced us into a way of being. Right, yeah. And so I feel like that is not incorporated in in therapy as we know it to be. Yeah, I I definitely think that, you know, I I can hear the the meaning behind therapy. It's for white people. It's definitely easier to take when it's coming from a black person saying that, you Mm -hmm. know, like I've, it was a big, a lot of um, chaos happened in our school. because one of the white students said that a psychologist is a white man's job. So that's my initial reaction to hearing that. But I definitely think that, you know, in terms of the 
the theories that are most used and and looked at as being credible, the research that is put out there that is funded, you know, are a lot of it has been done, you know, by white people or using white participants, right? Like studying white people. So I think in the, and then, you know, it trickles down to, okay, and then these are the theories that are taught and are the models that are used in the therapy room and a lot of the people who are hired or admitted to the universities or are accepted as clients are white. So I think that it's, it's so heavily saturated, mm-hmm. right? Or oppressive. <laughs> yeah. You know, because of, it's- because there's a lot of white, dominance in it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but i think that there it doesn't need to be you know it it's not something that is it it doesn't like i don't think that there isn't a place for black people or for people of other races and backgrounds mm-hmm. it's just um, it's another area where you can see you know white oppression or supremacy are you finding that you know as you practice Mm -hmm. are you finding that white people are coming around to understanding the importance of incorporating culture and and you know like including kind of bringing that intersectionality that people bring to the to therapy and not just going by the book are you finding that white therapists are are getting with that or are you, is there still some, you know, tug of war happening there? I'm, def- I'm definitely a lot of tug of war. I would say that more often than not, most white therapists that I've spoken with, they don't get it. I would say that most of them are in the, the area of like, yeah, it's important to ask my, kind of about their culture and how their culture informs their life, you know, like kind mm-hmm. of um, how people might approach people who, who identify as transgender. Like, yeah, I totally will use their pronouns, but not like fully getting mm-hmm. why it's more than the surface level of knowing somebody's racial background or cultural background or how they identify a gender. Like it's, it's, I, I would say that there's, there's people, if, if we're looking at like a spectrum or continuum, there's continuum. There's people who get it, who truly, I believe, get it as much as you can as a white person. Mm-hmm. There's people who are like, I want to support this, but I don't understand the big deal, but sure, I'll ask them their culture back. Now. And then there's people who are like, that's just ridiculous. It makes no sense. We're all, we all have, um, you know, we all have red blood. Like, you know, we all believe this and yeah. there's no reason for it to be any different for each person mm-hmm. yeah. you know i believe that it's a white world right it is mm-hmm. unfortunately it, it, you know white people have infiltrated saturated the planet with with whiteness and so because of that i think that the the only way to affect real change is for white people who are especially in these positions to start saying hey this is important therapy it's important for therapy to meet that intersection of people you know yes and without that i don't like i'm kind of hopeless in in 
I don't know. Like, will therapy ever be accessible to people that look like me if there's not enough white people in power saying, hey, this is important? Well, there's definitely, there's two things. I've been seeing more white people who are trying, you know, in their own way. They're trying. And by trying, I mean, like, they not just in their, their hearts or their, you know, conversations with their clients but like getting involved politically on the level of the you know the 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 colleges or the bodies the associations you know for psychologists and therapists you know they're involved and and pushing the buttons that need to be pushed but also there are more so for example i have my business called glorious health Mm -hmm. and for my business i only work with with bipoc and I'm happy to take on clients in Canada for for however much they're afford. They can't afford. So, you know, I've had a client who has said, Hey, I can only afford between ten and fifteen dollars a session mm-hmm. and I'm lucky to partner with another organization who covers the rest of the cost. Mm-hmm. Right? So I think that it's it's things like that where yes, it's you know, we can move farther you know, with some support, like, like, oh, speaking of, um, Bell, Bell, let's talk mm-hmm. right now. They're doing, they're funding different organized, they're putting out funding for organizations to help for access to mental health support, specifically for, for BIPOC people, you know, giving out 200, $200,000, right? So things like that, there's organizations that mm-hmm. are willing to help. And then there's also some, um, Black therapists, psychologists, professors, people that are in the field, you know, that can take advantage of those opportunities or in their own private practices, you know, make themselves more available. It's definitely easier to say, fuck that. I'm just going to work for a white company where I know I'm going to be taking home a hundred dollars a session or upwards of that. Mm-hmm. Right. You could kind of, in a way, you know, if you want to call that selling out, you can do that. But you know, you can kind of be someone who who is. Well, you get what I'm trying to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can just be like sensible. I, I mean, I don't want to. <laughs> not that you're not sensible if you go with a white company, but like, why wouldn't you just try to be? an even better person you know (laughs) why just set up for good be better be better (laughs) exactly exactly the other myth that i i've been i've been talking to a lot of people like before this episode i've been talking to a lot of people about therapy and one thing the one theme i'm seeing is you know people saying you know i'm too broken what? What if to therapy? Yes, like say, like they're too broken that they've been through too much. They wouldn't even know where to start from. Do you think that it is a? It's. Do you think it's productive to think of therapy as something that will fix you? Is that something that's possible, especially? For communities like ours, we know that there is a history of so much trauma, whether it's intergenerational, whether it is, 
even experiencing our own trauma mm-hmm. and even our lives in itself. Like, I think black people are constantly experiencing grief right. in one way or the next. Is it possible for therapy to fix that? Or is that not the job of therapy to fix people? I'm happy you asked this because I think one misconception that people have is they almost look at therapists like a a medical doctor. I don't know if I said this in the last episode we did, Mm. but where it's like, this is what I'm going through. Like, I'm going to tell you my symptoms. Yeah. And I'm going to pay you to fix me. Mm-hmm. Where I think therapy is, you know, we're a little bit like doctors in that way, but we're also a little bit like uh, personal trainers from the gym. Where it's, okay, you're going to be doing more work than me. Right? Mm-hmm. You are going to, um, the, the results that you're going to see, I'm going to be able to support you in ways that, you know, that you wouldn't be able to do on your own. Mm-hmm. But it, it requires a lot on the end of the client. And mm-hmm. so, wait, sorry, can you remind me of the original question? I don't want to go off. Can therapy fix me? I'm too broken. I think that therapy definitely can play a huge role mm-hmm. in fixing you. I don't, I don't believe anybody is too broken, but I think whether you are extremely broken, or just a little bit broken, it's not just therapy. And then that's where you can compare it to all of these, all services, whether, you know, we are talking about a physical help from a doctor or help from a, a personal trainer at the gym. You can't say like, I went to see my trainer three times a week for half an hour, an hour each session. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I've reached my body goals. You know, you can't put it all on the therapist or on the work that the two of you are doing in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, but it can definitely make a significant difference, especially if you're going to somebody who is trauma informed and trained, yes. right? There's a lot of amazing work that, that people are doing. I'm sure a lot of people have heard of EMDR and OEI, some of the therapies that really are getting at the brain. There's a lot of, um, research and results that's come out of, you know, being able to help people in a way that's making, like, not just talking about your issues. Mm-hmm. You know when you're so broken that you can't. It's not. You don't need just to talk about it. Like you need your brain to shift. That's what yes. these 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 therapies these therapies are are okay. are aiming at. Mm-hmm. Ah, that 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 is a breath of fresh air. So the job of therapy is to essentially to get you in a different space that is positive but it's not necessarily to completely fix you yeah, I would it's, say it's a collective like it's a collective effort yes exactly and it takes time right so oh, you yes. might go you might go and you might have some weeks where you leave the office the therapy room and you're feeling worse right like it's it's a, you know you're you're processing shit Mm-hmm. You know, so it's 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 a journey that you're going on, and yeah, you definitely need to be collaborating with your therapist. Yeah, yeah. How important is it to you know for for people of color and black people 
is it like does it solve the problem that you have a black therapist and that you're also black or do you need to find people like you said somebody who's trauma-informed someone who is culturally sensitive so or is it more important to be in a room with somebody that looks like you or both I think the ideal would be would be both you know you know when like you know those moments when you're excited because you're your professor or your teacher is black and then it's mm-hmm. just like it's not <laughs> what you were hoping it to be right oh, like girl yeah. have you ever had that i in high school i hope i don't want to get sued so i i won't say his name <laughs> but i had this i remember civics mm-hmm. grade 10 mm-hmm. had this black teacher and i was so excited Mm. I was, oh my God, he was this eloquent, well-spoken, and he was like a, he was like a, a calm guy, but also very, very stern with his Jamaican accent. Mm. I loved this guy. He, he was, he talked politics. For some reason, I've always been interested in politics from a child. I don't know why, but there's a way he talked about Canadian politics, which is kind of boring, but he made me interested in, in Canadian politics. Mm-hmm. I was just like so mesmerized by this guy. You yeah. Know? I was like, wow, like, you know, he's, he speaks so well. He's confident. He, he was a different image of, of what, you know, the black men that I had had around, at least at yeah. that time anyway. Yes, yes. One day I'm in class and I was doing a presentation. Don't judge me, but I was doing a presentation on the Toronto mayor, who is a conservative. Mm-hmm. And I was saying all these nice things about him. And I'm like, what the hell? And I think, in hindsight, I'm like, what the hell was I thinking? I obviously, <laughs> I obviously lived in Ajax and I knew nothing about the mayor of Toronto. But I just. Yeah. Anyways, he notices during my presentation that this guy has a comb in his hair. Mm-hmm. And he goes off on him. Get oh. that comb out of your hair. You ought to act like a black man. No. You do not act like that. That's why they put you people in jail. That is why they do this to, that's why they do, and you blame white people for da 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 da. And he just goes on oh. rant about how you ought to be your best black and how dare you not be on your best black behavior your best black behavior no i remember being this is why i had to marry outside of my race because i couldn't risk having kids like you he went on this rant and threw a duster that's so inappropriate Mm -hmm. You know those things that like dust the board? Mm-hmm. He threw that at the student during my presentation. No. Yeah. Was this reported? Oh yes, he got suspended. <laughs> he got suspended for about a month. I think we had a supply teacher until I was like done grade ten. And I just and this is when my disappointment of black men began. Yeah. <laughs> From that day, they have been disappointing me day in and day out. <laughs> but yeah, I just, so yes, I have experienced black intellectuals who are 
very disappointing, like Gifted Hands, yeah. whatever that guy's name is. I can't remember. <laughs> now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's now, I, I don't even have words to describe him. Oh, so, God. yes, essentially what I'm saying is, I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> yes. So, it's not enough, like, for the therapist to just be black, mm-hmm. right? And, and some people have actually found that to, to have its own triggers, right? If, mm-hmm. you know, if it's, if, you know, if you're trying to go in and, um, you know, let's say that you've had a lot of issues with, I don't know, like black men. Right, and then having a black male therapist, maybe that could I could, could bring bring up, <laughs> bring up some stuff too. So I think it's definitely you know the ideal situation. I believe personally for a black client would to have to be having you know a black therapist who is trauma informed and who has like the personality fit that's working for them. Mm-hmm. You know the age. Um, you know similar things that I would say come into play also with other therapists like. You know, some people would find it challenging to meet with anybody who is, if they're, if they're somebody in their twenties, they might find it challenging to meet with a therapist who is over, let's say 50, right? Cause that can trigger benefit that gets your parent and you can't really be yourself. Like, like, you know, if you're feeling like this person is an auntie, are you going to be scared to swear around your therapist? You know, because Ooh, like even yes. that possibly can come in. Yes. So, Ooh. So there's a lot going on. <laughs> there's definitely been moments where at work, like if I feel like my colleague is an auntie, you know, I'm like, ooh, okay, yeah. I need to simmer down, you know? Yes. Like yeah. They, and that's, yeah. You don't want that in therapy. You want to be able to completely be yourself. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and, and that's where it's frustrating, right? Where when the, we are already limited in the field as, as black people, mm-hmm. you know, so, for some people, if they're choosing between, you know, a 40-year-old black man, a 50-year-old black woman, or a 30-year-old white woman, they might choose a 30-year-old white woman therapist, right? Because there's not as many options to go through, whereas a white person, like, it's like they have a sea of, of therapists, you know, <gasps> that fit different. Okay, you want a redhead, you want a 30-year-old, you, you, you want blue eyes. <laughs> No, it's true. It's true. So I, as you know, I have, I have been going to therapy on and off for many years, but mm-hmm. really became consistent with therapy since 2019. Nice. And I, I honestly don't know what I would do if I didn't have therapy. I really, it sounds like crazy to say, but therapy has changed my life and I'm still yeah. doing the work to, like, I feel like if I ever win an award that's like prestigious, I'm going to be like, shout out to my therapist because <laughs> they literally have done things for me, especially like I find my ability to self-reflect. Mm-hmm. The ability to just kind of be like, you know, I'm not going to cuss you out today. I'm not going to call you a bitch <laughs> yeah. because you are trauma responding right now. And I am mm-hmm. going to have empathy for you. Yes. That yes. would have not been possible had I not gone to therapy. 
I guess my question is, how do, like, for me personally, I, I believe that everybody should go to therapy, not necessarily to discuss, you know, what happened when those days when you lived in Kololo and then Nova. <laughs> what like not necessarily those things but i really yeah. believe that every human should attend therapy if Definitely. they have the opportunity there's there's no questions about it like it's i i just you, you can't be a human on this earth and say that you wouldn't benefit from therapy and like you're saying it's not always you know this talking about trauma or talking about the depths of your childhood and, mm-hmm. and you know some people will say like yeah what my parent what my sibling did to me was was fucked up but i forgive them you know and, and they don't want to talk about that in therapy mm-hmm. right so mm-hmm. but yeah i definitely think it, it, it should be something that if possible should be available to all people because everyone can benefit you can even go into your session and say like i have, I have nothing to talk about today and it could be the best session of your life literally guys like when I first started therapy consistently um, in 2019, I think I talked about this in the last episode. I was in so much pain mm-hmm. that my therapy, my therapist, like he would just sit there. I would walk in, I would put my bag down, and then I would just be like, <laughs> because there was no other safe space to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, because mm-hmm. I was either at work or I was at school or when I was home, all I wanted to do was sleep. Yeah. And for some reason, I couldn't cry my eyes out when I was at home. Right. Because I, I distracted myself with other things. But therapy for like the first seven weeks was a place I could safely bawl my eyes out mm-hmm. and then be on my way. Exactly. And there's power, there's power in doing that with another person. Like not even just, I don't mean that in some, you know, beautiful Oprah quote. I mean that in, yeah. in actual, like physiologically, biologically, there's something that happens in our brain and our bodies when we're able to, you know, when somebody is there alongside us in, in our pain, when we can connect with another person. When there's empathy, when there's validation, you know, when we're being seen, there, that there's so much healing in that. And right. and it's not, you know, you'll have people who will say like, "Well, I'm not going through enough to go to therapy. Like my mm-hmm. life hasn't been that bad, or I'm in a good place right now, or you know, all of that." I think that there's, and and maybe you can speak to this. I think that if you haven't gone to therapy, you might see it a bit differently than it than it is or than it can be but when you do go and you have a therapist who fits like you feel like the relationship between you and them is good and you guys vibe well you're like oh everyone should have this <laughs> oh my god i do and and i realize that i'm i'm coming at this from a position of privilege right. number one to be able to have these conversations i mean i i created a platform to openly talk about this that is a privilege in itself i i had a mother who you know was came around she didn't want therapy for herself but i think she was always like you know jane you're fucked up so (laughs) you need to go see somebody about it 
apparently Jesus cannot help you alone. So find some other thing to help. It was, mm-hmm. I, rem- I remember this, I was sleeping all day, I was re- heavily depressed, mm-hmm. and I was sleeping all day, and I came out of the room to get something, I think I was like getting something in the fridge, and she's like, you know, Jen, I'm tired. <laughs> I am tired of you, sleeping, you sleep, you sleep, you sleep, you sleep, and then you're always looking miserable, I have told you to listen to T.D. Jacks, you have refused. I have sent you Joyce Meyer things you have written. Yes. Well, of the mind. In fact, mm-hmm. in fact, I'm tired. So, if these psychoanalysts will help you, <laughs> go and get the help. And I know mm-hmm. you guys are listening and you're like, that's not support. That's support, guys. What? That is so much support. I was like, mm-hmm. I just got my mother's blessing to go not be <laughs> as fucked up as I am right now. <laughs> and that changed my life. I was like, oh my God, I have the best mom. <laughs> you yes, know? That is huge. That was the most. That is my mom. Yeah. I was just like, oh my God, thank you, Jesus. Mm-hmm. My mother is not. She's not stigmatizing me. Yeah, exactly. And that was my, you know, that was the beginning of this journey. And so I think that is also a privilege in itself. You know, mm-hmm. she did not deliver yeah. it on a, you know, in the best terms. She started off by cussing me out. <laughs> but essentially she said, go get help. Mm-hmm. You know, she mm-hmm. understood that as much as I love Jesus, I had to put, I had to like, it would like therapy, Jesus and something else, you know, and whatever. And yeah. um, but it's not just, you know, I can't just read the Bible and I can't just pray this away. And those mm-hmm. are all, and, and I'm, and I, and I acknowledge that. But if, if you are able to, because therapy can be, so many things sometimes yeah. therapy is just for me like 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 this week but particularly was was hard i just wanted to move on like my therapist kept wanting to talk about something mm-hmm. and i just kept being like oh my god can we move on please in the name of our lord jesus yeah yeah please, let's move on and she's like no let's sit Let's sit in the discomfort. <laughs> yeah. And let classic phrase. Oh my God. I was pacing. She's like, I notice movement. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, leave me alone. Like, leave me alone. But, and then she started doing things like, what, tell me what's around you. What color is it? How does it feel? Wow. Yes. And yeah. then I just found my body not pacing anymore i wasn't rubbing everything i wasn't like mm-hmm. literally clapping my hands out of control i always forget i have this like debilitating anxiety until i'm in therapy and she starts wow. talking about something uncomfortable and then i'm like i just start like doing all kinds of everything that's all we did in therapy just what's what's around you what's tell me the color Mm -hmm, I mean, how mm -hmm. it feels because that session was just about, you know, she's like, I I want you to notice 
you know, these are triggers. Yeah. And I want you to notice when they're happening. And so. Yes. To yes say, that's so good. Yeah. And now I notice when it's happening. Like when someone yeah. is giving me a compliment, I'm like, <laughs> like I'm just like, I don't wow. want to hear it, you know? And mm-hmm. it's not even their fault. And I'm not saying people shouldn't compliment me, but there is something really uncomfortable about people telling me that I'm doing things right. Mm-hmm. And, and that's for me to deal with. But sometimes that's all therapy is. Sometimes it's just. It's that simple and it's not this one thing. I try to tell my friends, like, if you can, please go to therapy. It's so, it's so important. Yes. And, and like what you're saying, I think that's where it can, you know, that's how it translates over to changing your life, right? Because so she helps you to stay in a moment of discomfort, right? Mm-hmm. Which if you're on your own, you just distract, come out of that moment, right? Escape from it. But she helps you to stay in it. And as you're in it, okay, how can you become aware of what's going on and navigate around it so that when it happens in the real world, like outside the therapy room, mm-hmm. you know, you will be able to pull yourself out of that moment. You'll be able to identify what's going on, calm your body, become regulated, become grounded, and pull yourself out of it. Right or stay in it if it's something that's actually positive, like like letting someone love on you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, you and know. So that's how it can change your life instead of just being someone who avoids, distracts. Yeah. You know, just whatever it can be to to get away from anxiety. I don't know if I explained that well, but yeah, guys, if you can, please go to therapy and I want to tackle before I move on to the next question that I was asked I want to tackle the Christians um mm. a lot of some of you not a lot of you some of you were very annoyed with my la- like the last episode of last season because I came for the Christians you said that I it wasn't fair and I shouldn't have you know so I'm going to talk with you guys again, just, you know, because I, I got this question from, I was talking to my cousins in Uganda and they were saying, depending on therapy is not Christian. Mm, okay. Mm-hmm. And that when, you know, cause I was telling them, you know, I go to therapy every week and, and my cousin said, I hope the same way you're depending on therapy on a weekly basis is the same way you're depending on God. Because at the end of the day, God is the, is it? Jesus is the way, the truth and the life or the light. And, uh, mm-hmm. and I hope that you are depending on him even more than you're depending on therapy every week. Okay. I want you to speak to that Christian about therapy. Ah, it's, a, it's a big question. Um, I mean, I think it depends like what your relationship is with therapy. I, I just, I believe God has given us. Can't it be both? <laughs> it just seems like it's, they're two separate things. And I don't see, okay, I believe God has given us therapy, mm-hmm. right? And God has given us therapists. And I think that it's, it can be something that improves the quality of our lives, mm-hmm. right? I don't see that as becoming worship, right? And I, and I do think that one of the ways that God can help to 
for us to experience healing and improvement and progress in life is through therapy. Mm-hmm. Right? And so it just, I don't see how that becomes worshiping therapy itself. I think you can see it as an answered prayer. You can thank God, you know, for the access. You can thank God for the, it's like almost as like a divine intervention after all of the pain and trauma you've been through. But I, I don't know. I, I see it as, as something that is under, under God, but also separate from, you know, I just don't see it as a worshiping. What are your thoughts? Maybe I, I just more, but help me to put my words together. I, you know, I think that, I think that God can be the King of Kings and Jesus is the way, the truth and the light or the life or both. However, you you know, you guys say that, but I also believe that that can also be, that can be a true statement as well as therapy is helpful as well. Yes, exactly. I think, I think we can walk and chew gum at the same time is what I'm saying. Thank you. Yes. I love that phrase. That's a good one. Yeah. Like you don't have to, by me committing and saying that I'm going to go to therapy every week is me saying that I'm committed to my well-being and I'm committed to my mental health and, and I want to heal and I want to, I want to be better. Like, mentally yeah. and i've seen the the difference that therapy has made and i really do believe like you were talking about it, I, I think therapy is for me an answered prayer because there was a time when i was like god i really i need you to come through for me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i need you to like i i don't feel good you know yeah. And one day, like you guys heard, I busted the door open, was getting something from the fridge, and my mom shouted at me to get my yeah. shit together and go get a therapist. Mm-hmm. So that was the beginning of this journey. Yeah. And so I think, yes, God will not come down and be like, hello, good evening, go and see this therapist. But he shows up through signs, through doctors, through friends. You know, sometimes you just have these friends. Like, even let's, let's not even talk about like therapists, but let's look at the ways that God shows up for you. And you're like, oh my gosh, that had to be God. Like, like I feel like, can you, can you just, I always think of like my mom and how perfect she was for me as Mm -hmm. a mother. And you just see how God was so specific and like, putting you in this person's womb mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. you just look at you're like wow you, god did that yeah and i yes. think like i don't know if that's your relationship with your mom but mm-hmm. sometimes like, my mother would talk and i'm like you are so perfect for me mm-hmm. <laughs> i don't know who else would have been my mother yeah you know and i think that's just how i look at therapy it's this thing that I, I never knew about. I wasn't like necessarily raised on it, but it works. Yeah. Even on the days that it doesn't work, it works. Yes, yes, exactly. You know, there are days when therapy, I'm, I'm just like, oh, please, I'm so negative. Hey, Jane. But mm-hmm. when I leave, I'm like, that was important for me to talk about. Yes. Exactly. I never feel like I shouldn't have. I never feel like it's just like, oh, 
Okay, thank God I talked about that. Yes, exactly. Yeah, so I think that's, I feel like God has given me that platform that in, in this podcast. Yeah. So I think, I think it's very, I don't want to insult you and say closed minded, but it, it's not, you're not giving yourself enough room to blossom when you just say, well, I'm not going to go to therapy. I don't want to worship two idols. You're not thinking critically. Yeah. And it just, it just sounds like if someone says that, I'm like, oh, maybe they, they have haven't been to therapy before that. Cause it just, it's not like you're not being indoctrinated. No. Right. And, and I think again, it's that myth where people think this is somebody who's going to come and tell you and guide you in life and tell you what to do, but they don't realize the amount of, the amount of work that you do, the amount of you. Mm-hmm. There's actually in it and is actually leading it and shaping even the responses that the therapist is giving you. Mm-hmm. Right? Like it's I've I've had clients who have worldviews and beliefs that don't align with mine, but I don't try to change them to meet me. I help them with with what fits for their life. Mm-hmm. Right? Like I'm not trying I'm not trying to impose my beliefs on them. And so I think the same thing for for Christians, like if somebody is, you know, a Christian or any other faith that's not my own, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be trying to sway them away, yeah. right? If you're coming in and you're saying like I've been struggling, you know, to read the Bible or go to church this is something that's important to me, then perfect. This is this is something that we're going to work on to support you to you know to continue serving your God. I don't know. So I, it does. It definitely sounds like something, you know, I don't really like using the word um, ignorant because it might be offensive, but it just, it sounds like there's a, there's a lack of actual knowledge of or experience with therapy to, if you see it as antichrist. Mm-hmm. I, I got this message recently. So she is a single mother of three kids and she was saying that she feels that she would benefit from therapy however the idea that as a woman especially as a a black woman she's supposed to she can't help but feel like she is supposed to be strong that she's supposed to be you know there for her kids and together and you know just be that wall of support for her family for her children and she feels like therapy will kill that view of herself that she would be admitting that she finds motherhood difficult which is according to her the worst thing that you can do as a mom is admitting that motherhood is hard Mm -hmm. and that's what therapy would be doing what do you what is your advice or your message to this mom who is she's wanting to get help but she's also saying i don't want to come to terms with the fact that I have failed at this job because I'm having such a hard time. I think that, first of all, my heart really goes out to this person because it's, I can't imagine being in that position. I would say that there is clearly a lot of wisdom inside of her, you know, to be, to be able to have made it this long you know, on her own without seeking support from, from others or seeking support, you know, professional support. There's clearly a lot that's inside of her. And I think that with therapy, one of the benefits for somebody like her 
would be that it can help her get back in touch with that strength, with that wisdom that is already in her to unlock it further, you know, and tap in even more to what's already going on inside of her. You know, therapy, I think it's the therapist in a real way, like puts a mirror in front of your face to see yourself, right? You know, the good, the bad, the ugly. And I think that if she gives herself that opportunity, she would be giving herself permission to to reconnect with, with what's already inside. You know, it's natural for any caregiver, especially for a mother, to experience burnout, to experience compassion fatigue. And those are things that, you know, when that's going on in your brain, it's hard to access your inner resources. And therapy really help you to access your inner resources. Mm, I like that. Your inner resources. Yeah, like it definitely therapy would help her to, you know, get back in touch with to boost or bolster her her own strength, right? I don't think it it, it would make her to seem weak at all. Even though I, I know people have that perception of it, mm-hmm. and so I'm trying to not say like, oh, getting asking for for help or mm-hmm. checking in for support is is a, is a sign of strength because. You know, if, if if that is your view of therapy, then what do those words really mean to you? Mm-hmm. Can she start with maybe like an assessment? You know, just just being like, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna call, you know, uh, therapist without borders, or there's another like women's health and women's hands. Like, I'll just do the mm-hmm. assessment, and then that's all I'll do. Like maybe breaking down your like just not looking at it like okay i'm gonna go into this room and i'm I'm gonna sit down and then the therapist just gonna stare at me maybe just Mm -hmm. breaking down those steps and being like okay first i'm gonna call yes first call so what i offer and i don't think every therapist does this Mm -hmm. but there definitely are quite a few therapists who can do consultation calls whether it's a phone call or a, a zoom i don't know if some do it in person because it's just 15 minutes um like a free meeting mm-hmm. just to like have this conversation like we're having right now like this is this is where i'm at i want to know what my options are just kind of like peeking through the door to see what the therapist says mm-hmm. and then make the next decision for yourself and letting you know the different options that are out there if you're not someone who wants to just sit down with someone face-to-face, letting you know different resources or options out there. And then, you know, you can step back and think about it more. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't suggest somebody doing an assessment if they're already feeling uncomfortable and not wanting to feel weak. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't suggest doing an assessment because assessments looking, you know, most assessments are looking for, or I don't know if I can say most, but many assessments are looking for areas for growth, mm-hmm. right? Or maybe it's like seeing if you fit a specific disorder or so that might not be the feedback that somebody like her is looking for. Mm-hmm. So maybe assessment. like a general inquiry. Wow. Yeah, like just doing a, a consultation call, right? Just to, you know, hear generally, oh, this is what I'm going through. You know, what might you be able to offer me? What would this look like? You know, what would your approach be? And seeing if, if these are a good fit, you know, if, if any of these are a good fit for her. And then those conversations, she can be very clear what her boundaries are. 
you know, some people don't want to use the word counseling. They might want to see, say, like, consulting, checking mm-hmm. in. That's actually why, you know, many, especially in Canada, you know, we no longer see patient. We say client. Right. Because that's also sensitive to that feeling of, you know, being weak or needy or dependent. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I hope she listens because, <laughs> you know, we're answering her question because that is, that's true. I, I never thought of it like that. I have a question for myself. This is something that I, I sort of struggle on and off with therapy. Mm-hmm. Not That doesn't make sense. This is a question that I struggle with with my therapist on an ongoing basis. Mm-hmm. I... So I've been through a lot of things mm-hmm. and in therapy, we don't always cover everything. Obviously we can't, you know, cause it's 30 years of life. Okay. And so I feel like there's so many layers, you know, to my healing that, you know, for example, there is the, I often feel like I'm doing this podcast, but what if it never leads to anything? That's also like a burden in itself. Mm-hmm. Or it could be as simple as I'm constantly nudging at myself, you know, like it, it could be the simplest, oh, I didn't clean the bathroom properly. Why can't you ever clean the bathroom properly? It's like, it, it, there's never a point where I think my brain is at rest. Yeah. And I was talking to my therapist and I'm going, this feels like it has been my whole life, you know? Mm-hmm. And is therapy going to change that? Like, am I wasting my time? Will I ever be free of mental health issues, you know, like depression and anxiety or self-doubt or the anxiety of wondering if I'll make it or if I will... And I, when I say make it, I don't mean like I want to be this like, you know, famous person, but will I actually do what I love for a living? Mm-hmm. Or is it something that I'm, I'm working towards, but like things like that. And, and I'm like, when will my brain stop? <laughs> and or when I, like, when will therapy start kind of making that wave in my life? It is making it, it has made a huge difference, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I just feel a little like, oh my God, when, when is this train gonna move? Right. I wanna be that person that like, okay, I wanna be someone that wakes up in the morning mm-hmm. and has breakfast and lunch and dinner and then goes to bed or takes a shower. I mean, I bathe before I sleep, but still, I don't wake up. Like I'm, I'm not somebody that wakes up in the morning. And because of how society is set up, I feel disgusting when I wake up at like Bob. I'm like, God, you failure of a human. Even mm-hmm. though I'm literally going on an eight-hour shift, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I still feel like, oh my God, how dare you wake up at Bob? What sort of human yeah. thing are you? And so things like that, like, I want to be normal, whatever that means. And I think I also feel in a lot of ways that therapy will help me be normal, even though I don't really know what that's, that is. Mm-hmm. Feeling, 
I guess my question is, <laughs> will there be make that big wave I'm waiting for? Where, you know, I'll be talking to you and I'll be like, I'll be like, oh my gosh, Runji. So I woke up at 8 a.m. and then I had a smoothie and then I went out and I ran errands and I did this and I did that. I want to know mm-hmm. what that's like. I mean, one, one thought that comes to my mind is, does your lifestyle match your, does your current lifestyle match your desired lifestyle like you could go to therapy all the time but if the circumstances of of your life aren't bringing you joy then therapy can't change that right maybe you'll be able to cope with that better like you'll be able to oh i'm a piece of shit i woke up at 12 and then like recover from it quicker than if you hadn't been going to therapy recover from that thought But if you're somebody who, who wants to wake up in the morning, then I think that the best thing, you know, for you would be to be making those changes in your life that support your desired lifestyle. And therapy might give you the empowerment or give you the backbone to make those changes, you know, that need to be made mm-hmm. so that your actual lifestyle and the, and the conditions you know your schedule and the, those circumstances of your life change right some people don't go to therapy so they don't have the confidence or the courage to make changes in their life right mm-hmm. but some of it is actually you know the choices that you're making in your life that can can help to make that difference so that's that's one possibility mm-hmm. another possibility you know can be that you are someone that would benefit from combining therapy, you know, in your treatment plan to combine it with something like a medication, whether it's a natural medication or pharmaceutical medication, something, you know, if you are experiencing uh, elevated levels of stress or anxiety, right? Those are things that some people, they need the combination of both therapy and medication. Again, whether that's something that's natural or something that's in the pharmacy. And then the third one, it could be the type of therapy that you're, that you're receiving, right? You might have a therapist who, you know, you are able to connect with really well, but they might not be trained or they might not be using an approach that is getting more to the deeper, deeper, the deeper things that are going on. And so it's kind of like going in and getting your, like your, um, like trimming the, the bush or whatever. I don't even know the phrase, but kind of like trimming things. <laughs> yeah. Uprooting what needs to be uprooted. Yes. Hmm. I mean, that doesn't make me feel less hopeless. Mm-hmm. But it definitely gives me, I guess, a guide that I need to, I like the idea of trying to tailor my life Yeah, I think that's, in that's a good. way that I desire. Yes, it's like that thing of, um, you know, if you give a homeless man 
anti-anxiety medication, you're still going to wake up feeling like shit and having anxiety, yeah. you know, and without the respect of I shouldn't say that so casually, mm-hmm. but just like, if this, if the circumstances of your life are bringing in feelings of despair, hopelessness, anxiety, depression, stuff like that, mm-hmm. right, or just aren't sparking passion, aren't helping you meet where you're at, right? This is so relatable as you're speaking about black people, right? Like, mm-hmm. if you're going to therapy and taking the medication, but you're still facing depression, you're still going to have symptoms, you know, of, of anxiety and, and just depression and frustration and anger, which are totally normal, natural responses. And so for you, you might wake up feeling icky or you might go through your day feeling unfulfilled or disappointed because what you're doing isn't meeting you. And therapy can't change that, can't replace that. Hmm, hard truth, but yes, that <laughs> makes sense. I wanna, I wanna kind of direct the question at you now. You're a therapist, and I think a lot of people, like therapists, have this knowledge of how to deal with, you know, emotional problems. Mm-hmm. things and and you've gone to school and all that stuff but who is there for you when you know you need like do you have a therapist yes i have a therapist and she is on maternity leave so i'm happy for her this on maternity leave but i'm sad i'm definitely missing her mm-hmm. she is like the best therapist i've, I've ever worked with uh-huh. Interestingly enough, she is a white woman in her 30s, I believe. Ooh. And I feel like her, as special as she is and as wonderful as she is, mm-hmm. you know, it's, 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 there is that clear communication between the two of us that, that this is a, what do I want to call it? There's something missing there, right? Because she's not black, yeah. But yeah, I have my therapist. I, you know, my conversations with my, like, for example, my friend who I was saying from Scarborough, mm-hmm. who's also a therapist, those hit different. You know, like there's, yes. there's that, that in itself feels like something that's healing for me. Mm-hmm. I definitely have been trying to grow more and more in my faith. Mm-hmm. That's been a very important point for me. And again, with the lifestyle, like when I try, oh my gosh, I can totally relate to what you were saying about, you know, struggling with being a night owl and feeling like shit the next day. And mm-hmm. this summer, I've been really working on changing my schedule to, you know, sleep at a more reasonable time and wake up in the morning. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've noticed that the changes in that. I changed made some changes with my social circles, with the work that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Those that's that's all been really, really good for my mental health as well. Mm. I'm curious, what what do you what do therapists talk to their therapists about in therapy? You know, I find therapy interesting because it's it's you know, you find different parts of yourself are activated so a lot of the work that i do with my therapist is you know what you would say is inner child work healing around that Mm -hmm. and so i'm talking to her a lot about 
from things that I had experienced when I was young, you know, when I'm just living my life, you know, as a normal person today. And when I feel that inner child being activated and I'm responding, you know, internally in those ways, if I'm feeling, you know, hurt or if I'm feeling rejected or angry or whatever it might be, right? So I'm, I'm just talking to her about that sort of thing. I think the difference is I, you know, there's less of that warm up period. You know, like, for mm-hmm. example, going back to the gym where it's like, if you got to start with the warm up and you mm-hmm. get yourself into it. Like I find when I go in for, with my, with my sessions with my, with my therapist, mm-hmm. it's like, we're, it's like, okay, let's go. Right. And it's, okay. can we go into that place? And I trust her. There's mm-hmm. not that, like, awkwardness or discomfort or what's happening like i'm i i have an idea of the approach she's using mm-hmm. and i trust it so i think it it's it works well in that way amazing mm-hmm. speaking in in the spirit of talking about therapy we've talked about therapy and black people i'm curious do you think that therapy has to be has to look differently when we're having conversations with black women, especially when we, I want you to think about that mom that, you know, feels like she would be betraying this idea of, you know, I I won't be that strong black woman anymore. I won't be that backbone that I'm, I, I ought to be, or that I was, you know, because we know how, women are perceived in you know if i i can i can speak to ugandan culture especially what it means to be a mother in uganda i remember sometimes you just see it and you're like okay there there is clearly a culture here of what a ugandan woman is supposed to be or a black mother is supposed to be and i feel like these these standards are not held on to white women because mm-hmm. when white women come to school, they'll just be like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm a mom and this and this and that. And, or I don't really have kids yet or whatever. But I find that the conversation changes when we're, we're talking about black women. It's like, oh, so, so where are your kids? Like, so who's taking care of the kids? Somehow it's an easier pill to swallow when white women are up there and they have kids. It's almost like they are these miraculous beings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. However, wow. black women have been doing the things. Mm-hmm. And keeping all those things in mind... And how unsafe this world is for black women. Right. I, I can say that I, I don't feel safe where black men are concerned, but most definitely don't feel safe even in the world in general as a black woman. Mm-hmm. Because even when I experience pain, I it's not really looked at as pain. It's almost like, ah, oh, you know, you're, you're good to go. You're a strong black woman. Right. So keep, you know, keep it in, keep it in mind and, and just understanding all those things. Do you think that it's important for, 
therapy to pay special attention to how you know black women are dealt with in these sessions oh for sure i think that it's 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 incredibly important especially you know like like this um if we can use continue with the the woman who had asked that question right if she comes in and somebody is speaking to her in a way of oh this must be so tough for you oh i can't even imagine what like kind of making her feel like she's being pitied mm-hmm. right or isn't living up to that that narrative of you know the the black woman with you know three kids at her legs and one on her back you know mm-hmm. all of that you know then it could drive her either to not come back to therapy or further into her feelings of being a failure. Mm. So I think it's incredibly important to to be mindful of um, what uh, a black woman is carrying walking into the room. Right? Because her experiences in this world are unlike anybody else's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are some questions that you've been getting? What are some trends that you're seeing in terms of like, what questions do people have about therapy? What they, what do they want to know about therapy? Mm-hmm. Like when you, in your experience, when you're talking to, I'm curious when you're talking to people of color or black people, what mm-hmm. are some trending questions or what are people like nervous about? And how are you able to answer those questions? It's a good question. Trending questions about therapy. I think one would be, you know, is my wondering what the therapist is thinking. Mm. You know, like is my therapist judging me? Like this, this discomfort because therapists can be so. Like blank. Does that make sense? I definitely struggle with that. I mean, there's been moments where I've like literally begged my therapist to be like, please, I beg you, just, just say yes, say yes. Tell me if yeah. you this or not. And then they're like, I, I just can't, <laughs> you know? Yes. And then she's like, I can give you tools. So, yeah. But you'll ask her what? Tell me what? I'll be like, tell me if I should do this or not. Oh, uh, yeah. I, like, uh, I, I really can't do that. Yes. <laughs> but we can, let's have a conversation and let's see where you're at. <laughs> you know, yeah. stuff like that. But there are moments where, but let's talk about this. Don't you think she could just be like, yeah or no? <laughs> that would help me a lot. I would, sometimes I'm going through like mental turmoil. Just being like, oh my goodness, this or that or this or the next. And I just, like, I'm like, I need you to, you, like, she's my last resort. And then she's like, "Mm." and then we can't. I know. Because what if your life explodes and then we get sued? (laughs) Oh, right. But But I don't sue, I'm blah. There's, there's always ways that we can kind of, you know, you can notice your therapist trying to dance around it. So, 
for me because I know that frustration. That's so annoying when you just want someone to give you a yes or no. But because you need to, we're keeping like in mind your history and where you're trying to go. Mm -hmm. So for a lot of people are people pleasers. For a lot of people have been in relationships where they've been oppressed or been very dependent. So we don't want to create that dynamic between us, like, you know, the therapist and the client. So we also are saying that for your good, we're not going to give you what you want. You need to make the decision by your own. You can do this. We believe in you. So there's that. But also I said, yeah, just in case, if anything, you know, trying to avoid anything, um, a legal situation, or even if it's not legal, like, you know, what if it impacted the relationship? If we said choose option A, option A was bad, and then you didn't trust us in the future sessions, right? There's also mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, will say like, you know, I wish I could just give you this answer. Let's talk a little bit. Let's talk this out further. Oh, I noticed that your eyes really lit up when we were talking about option A. What's going on for you there? Or, mm-hmm. you know, let's, you know, just kind of bringing the person back to themselves mm-hmm. and some cues that their body is giving, that their words are saying, you know, and trying to help them sort things out as they, they come to to the answer themselves. It's a, it's a, always a bit uncomfortable, though, for both, <laughs> for both yeah. people. Yeah, I know for me, like, it's uh, it's like mental disturbance. Like, just telling me. <laughs> yes. But that makes more sense. So yeah. this last bit, I'm just going to ask you five questions. And you're just going to give me quick answers. Mm-hmm. So the first question is, who do I need to be to come to therapy? Do I need to be proper? Do I need to be, is there, is there a, per, like, I guess this person was wondering who goes to therapy is the sense I got. Okay. Um, I think anybody goes to therapy. So I've, the youngest I've seen is a six year old, six year old. Mm-hmm. Oldest I've seen is a 79 year old. I've seen people who are extremely wealthy. I've seen people who are students. I've seen people who are on the autism spectrum. I've seen people who are narcissists. Like there, there's such a wide range. People have all sorts of um, backgrounds in terms of race, sexuality, gender, religion, socioeconomic, economic. It's it's really anybody who um, has the either they have the courage. Mm-hmm to look at themselves with another person in the room or they're being forced there by the courts. <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah. Okay. The, the second question is, I really want to go to therapy, but I'm scared. I can't seem to take the first step. Ah, uh, yeah. I think with that, you know, I would encourage, like I was saying earlier, is that free 15-minute consultation call. I think that, that can really help people out, um, especially if it's just a phone call, you know? If you want to block your number, block the number. Mm-hmm. Um, just to kind of see what's this, what's it like to talk to this person? Is this somebody who I would want to, you know, um, meet face to face? And you know, you, your therapist knows that you're scared mm-hmm. and you're giving off a lot of cues that you're scared. And I think that, you know, any, any, even a mediocre therapist, but any good therapist for sure, um, is gonna, 
depacing themselves in response to to where you're at. Hmm. Yeah. The third question, um, I am a Ugandan man, um, I'm a black man, and we all know that how men how men are are supposed to be what is your advice to a black man who is trying to access therapy while still maintaining his masculinity i think that therapists you know we're trained to meet you where you're at Mm -hmm. and so if you come in and, and you're not answering questions in depth if you're making things seem lighter, if you're ending on a positive note, if you're just, re- you know, bringing the questions back to me as, you know, the woman in the room, any of these things, right? We, of course I can't speak for everybody, right? I'm speaking for myself and, you know, people who I trust, who I've been trained to, who I would refer anyone to. We're trained to, to be with you in that for as long as you need to, to stay in that moment until, um, you know, there's some softening and some vulnerability happening. And there's still good work that can be done, even if you're like that, for, for 20, 25 sessions. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, just know that those parts of you are, are, are there for a reason, right? That those parts of you are um, also have, also have value and so give it give it its time you know just like we'll give it we'll give you time as you also give those parts of yourself time mm. does that does that make sense Jane? yes yes okay. essentially and and so basically there is room for him as well there, yeah there, there's room for you mm-hmm. you don't have <laughs> to let that down in order to go to therapy mm-hmm. But side note, I believe with time, those parts of yourself will be let down and, and you get to control how quickly that's lowered, <laughs> is what I'm trying to say. Was that my fourth question or my third? I think that was third. Okay. The fourth question um, was, what was, oh, where is my, I turned off. <laughs> Okay, so the fourth question is from a student who mm-hmm. is they're an international student and they're facing all this stress and they wanted to know how can they access is there any resources available for international students because they don't necessarily qualify for OHIP? Actually, not necessarily. They literally don't qualify for OHIP or any other Canadian uh, services. So they would definitely um, need to. Well, I mean, for most people, right? Because OHIP doesn't really cover it's it's private, right? You'd have to pay out of your own pocket. Mm-hmm. Um, especially because I don't know how things work in workplaces if you have a job or you have benefits i don't know how that works if you're international um i would look into the school that they go to mm-hmm. if they're able to still see a counselor for a good price there i would also look at different options where you can get low cost right um is this somebody in canada do you know they are in ottawa okay so 
Yes. Like, like I said, that there's the um, work that I'm doing with people in Canada, offering to meet people where they're at, where they're able to, as much as they're able to afford. And um, there are other therapists out there who, and I can't speak to the lowest amount, mm-hmm. that therapists are offering out there in Ottawa or, you know, in Ontario or other places. But people are able to do what's called a sliding scale. So depending on what your income is, it can be lower to that. Um, some people also offer um, low-cost amounts if you're wanting to, if you're open to seeing an intern, which would be a student, somebody who, who has experience, who's under a supervisor but who has not yet graduated, that mm-hmm. could also bring the price down a bit. Hmm. And we will... Sometimes it takes long though. Yes. That you can apply for for free. It's just kind of, you know, asking around and and finding out different kind of resources that seem more underground to Mm -hmm. see that there there are options there. Yes. And we will put these resources in the the thing, the description uh, box. So, you know, uh, if Runji has any more suggestions, she'll send them to me, and I will also. Uh, we will also add some stuff there. The last Perfect. question is: This person is a is in a relationship. Um, mm-hmm. If it gives context, it's a hetero relationship, so you know. Mm. <laughs> um, they are wondering if their relationship will survive because her man's is not about the therapy life he's not about talking about anything should she i think she should scrap him but i'm not a mental health professional um what do you think she thinks therapy should like they should see someone like group is it called group couples therapy Mm -hmm. however he feels like he is not a white man, and he's not about that life. What should she do? Interesting. Does did she say if does he talk with her about their issues? No, he he's literally. She said it feels like she's talking to a fridge. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Um. I think that it's important for for couples to. Um, make compromises. Mm. So if this man is telling you that, you know, he's not going to go to a therapist, um, and he's not going to be communicating with you when issues come up, um, then what does he propose? How does he propose these, these, um, issues to get dealt with and get sorted with? And I think from there, she has to make that choice of, um, is this a good enough compromise for me? Mm, for me? I like that. Right? That's for better than person. what I suggested. Scrap the gun. It's, it's better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I, I know, I believe that some people, they, you know, they, therapy doesn't fit for them. Like, in their worldview, therapy's not there. Right? Mm-hmm. And I've, I've had, feelings for somebody who who you know who said that they would never go to therapy. Woo 
however, this person is, you know, in times when issues came up that they were, they were there to, to discuss. However, um, I, I definitely think that, you know, everybody, not everybody is going to agree or give therapy a chance. Mm-hmm. I don't see, I don't know what kind of future a relationship, I don't, I don't know what a future would look like in a relationship where, where one person doesn't talk about issues. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and maybe he has an idea of how it can look like. Mm-hmm. And, and she can get on board with that and she can make adjustments for that. Mm. But if that doesn't fit for her, then unfortunately, that's where I see where you were saying about scrap that man. And I think, you know, for, <laughs> yeah. for somebody like him, he might find a lot of, a lot of future partners saying the same thing. Yeah. Um, and, and this just reminded me, I, I think for me, like I'm too, and not in a negative way, but I'm, I'm so far gone in terms of my belief about therapy. I'm not going to force a man to go to therapy. Um, however, it is a, it is extremely important that you are on board with the idea that if we ever needed it, that you are open to that. Yes. I'm not yeah. saying that once we are in the relationship, uh-huh, mm-hmm, let's go. No. But should the moment arise, I need us to, I need to be with a man who is on board with the idea. Right. Um, you can take your time. You can even be like, you know what? This just happened like a week ago. Can we revisit after a month? I'm very flexible. I -hmm. understand that. I don't understand what it's like to be a man, but I, I'm well aware of the expectations that, that men have, particularly black men. Um, and I'm aware of the things that you've been taught about what it means to be a man and what that looks like. And I, I know I get it. However, you got to be able to meet me somewhere. I'm saying yeah. I'm trying to go talk to somebody if we have a problem. Yeah. If you say not today, then okay, then when? That's yeah. it. Yeah. That's it. That's all. Um. Now, when I've had this conversation with my friends... Um, my friends are like, well, you're going to have to stop dating black men then. And uh, I've sort of a little tiny, little bit given up then because I, and my eyes they only when it comes to woo woo and hard eyes it only happens for black men mm, exactly me too so like i guess i'm gonna have to die single because i'm not that's mm. not something that i'm i'm not willing to compromise on because i've done so much work and i continue to work hard in therapy yeah and I, I can't, like, at this stage, 
I can't, I don't, I don't even, I hate being around people who are not a, capable of self-reflection. It's yeah, exactly. You know what? I think that the times are changing and will continue to change. I think mm-hmm. there's also, like, there's a social movement going on with, in terms of mental health. There's mm-hmm. hopefully a revitalizing within the mental health field. And that, you know, we'll see, we'll see a shift in the future. I hope it's for our generation of right. men. I think definitely our children are our children's children. We'll, they'll see change. Like, I think there'll be more openness in black communities towards mental health. Um, but you know, another option, which I've had some clients take advantage of this is I'm seeing the woman and the man doesn't want to come in, but he'll come in every once in a while. And she's my client, and he's just there to support her. Yeah. But it's like that, right? And he's not coming in consistently, and so it's not technically couples therapy, but they keep popping every once in a while. And so, you know, I think that if you're with a good man and you continue in your therapy and he sees the benefits that it brings you and he's a supportive man, maybe maybe you'll have someone like that where, where they're meeting you in the middle in that way. Yeah. Or... You know, I'm I'm like smiling because sure. you're saying I don't have to die single. No, you don't have to die single. Oh I my think god! <laughs> so happy. No, you're not dying single. You're gonna you're gonna be you know in the arms of a black man. Yes, that's the dream. <laughs> um. You know, and, and guys, trust me, I, I do drag black men on this podcast, but I do want to, if I was to settle down, and by settling down, I don't necessarily mean marriage. Marriage yeah. sounds terrifying, but yeah, I would want it. I, I want a healthy relationship, not perfect, but mm-hmm. I need it to be healthy. One where, if they are trials and tribulations, we are able to sit down and say, okay, uh, let's put everything on the table. Let's have a conversation. I'm a big fan of conversations. I love, I love having conversations because I, I think that talking heals. Mm-hmm. I think the mm-hmm. world would be a better place if, if we all had dialogue with each other, not necessarily yeah. to agree, mm-hmm. but to just, you know, to hear oneself, you know, Oprah yeah. always says that it's the importance of having conversation. When, when you, when you have conversations with another person, you are saying, I hear you and I see you. Yes. Yes. And that's all we need in the world. It's so simple, but it's needed. Yeah, and I need to be in that in that relationship, and I also want to raise children that I'm not gonna have to yell at to go to see a fucking therapist. Yeah, <laughs> like you know, go get help. Mm-hmm. God damn it. <laughs> um, yeah, I I want I want to see what it's like to raise children that are free of trauma. Oh yeah, I would I'm love to put my kids. Spot. I'm gonna put my kids in therapy from when they're young. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it the same way that I say, okay, you gotta go see your dentist, or you gotta go, you know, see the doctor. It's the yeah. same thing 
as and it's I, just part of your caring for yourself. Shit. Yes. I want to do that. I want them to to be good mentally and otherwise. Um, and as much as I've talked about, the on, to be honest, the only reason I've always talked about, you know, having a sperm donor is because I was so terrified of raising children with a man. Wow. And then yeah. that backfiring on me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because if I raise another child, if, if something, not something, if a child comes out of me, yeah. I'm not able to protect them from things that I'm trying to heal from. Yeah. I don't know if that will be a life that I want. Right. Yeah. And exactly. so it seemed... It just seemed easier to just say, you know what, I'll remove men from the equation. That's safe. Because naturally, because of, you know, the trauma, my Mm -hmm. brain naturally wants to always go to safety. Of course. Say safety first. And it's safer to remove the males out of the equation. Yeah. And I don't necessarily know if that will work either. Because I want to know what it's like to grow up in a home with a dad that is mm-hmm. part of the family that is that loves his children and that is present yes physically emotionally yeah present. what's that like financially <laughs> my goodness Ooh, the dream mm-hmm. but hearing i think what you just said um gave me a a dot of hope and that's a big thing god oh god god i'm so happy to hear that a dot but it's still something trust me because we've we've gone from sperm donor by force (laughs) 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 to a dot of hope that i will be with a black man Mm -hmm. who will want not only i won't have to force him but he will want the same thing from me which is to procreate untraumatized children (laughs) yes exactly yeah i'm excited i'm excited for this journey thank you runji for coming oh my pleasure as always you just changed my life (laughs) as always this was awesome thank you so much I would. I know we gotta do more of these um, the questions. Yeah. We should the, get people to do like a full like letter, like a paragraph, or you know, people can do the voicemails or something. We should do Ooh. that. I was thinking of doing like people can call in. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we're like I don't even know how I would be able to run that, but. Maybe we could just send people like the the link and then be like, "Hey, do you want to call in and ask your question?" Yeah. Ooh. Okay. We'll record during the day this <laughs> for the yes. In fact, I have work in like four hours. So, oh. <laughs> thank you so much for coming. This was really amazing as usual. I loved it, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Please listen to the podcast every, um, I believe it's every first and last 
Saturday of every month. The last Saturday of every month is the auntie segment, which is today we had an auntie segment, but it was a little bit different. We're talking about therapy. Um, and also watch out for our blog on our website at blackqueensrepublic.org. And you can also order some merchandise. Um, if you want, it's not by Fosta, but, um, you know, order your merch. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.